Good morning. If I have not met you, yes, I'm Jason. I'm uh, on the pastoral staff team at New Life Church. And we're continuing in our Meet Jesus series this morning. So if you brought a Bible or if you're using a device to access the Bible, John 6 is where we're going to be. So slowly working our way through and Meet Jesus is our focus in this series. We want to know who he is. And uh, as we read in a moment, I'm going to encourage you to think about If I was introducing Jesus to someone on the basis of these verses we're reading, what would I say? How would I introduce him? What is he like based on this text? So that's what we're going to do. Uh, Just some reminders that John is a book of sevens. Actually, before that, let's do John's purpose statement. John 20, verse 30. Can you read this with me? Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that were not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So there you go. There's a great summary of what John is after as he's writing this book, this account of Jesus' life as the Holy Spirit's guiding him. And it is a book of sevens. So we've been uh, revisiting this, this theme over the months that we have seven signs in the Gospel of John. So seven signs. Uh, we have been through number one, the water into wine, the healing of a royal official's son, the healing of the disabled man. And today we're going to cover feeding the 5,000 and you get not one, but two signs today. You also get walking on water. So that's where we're going. And there are also seven I am sayings in the Gospel of John. Seven I am sayings. And we are not going to get, we have not yet got to any of those, believe it or not, after all these months. And uh, the first I am saying that we come to in the book of John is I am the bread of life. And that is very much connected to where we are in John 6. But I think it'll be your turn, Wayne, will it? In a couple of weeks, you'll be following up with the latter half of John 6, where Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. So I'm not going into that statement today, but I do want to say this, that all through the Gospel of John, we see Jesus using bread, water, light, gardening, farming, the thing, the everyday stuff around us to invite people into the knowledge of God, into who he is, inviting them to look and see and to come and find life in who he is. And what we also see in in what John's recording is that people, time and time again, don't get it. So if you may remember, uh, I spoke on John 2 a few months ago and uh, about are you a, a, a marketplace or is your life a dwelling place, a resting place? And in that story, Jesus said, as after he tipped tables in the temple, he said, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. And what did the religious leaders think he was talking about? the big temple that was being renovated at that time. But Jesus is actually saying, no, I'm the temple. And then in John 3, Daniel spoke about Jesus meeting with Nicodemus. And Jesus is saying to him, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus is confused. He goes, how am I going to get this old body back into my mother's womb? But Jesus is saying, no, come to me because I give you a new life. And then again in John 4, Jesus is at a well with a Samaritan woman. And he says, I can give you living water. And she says, you don't have a bucket. And he, what he's saying is, no, come to me. If you're thirsty, you, you need your life 
is, is thirsting, is desperate to be satisfied, come to me. So Jesus is doing this constantly. John's recording these things to point it out to us. And we don't want to be a people who miss who Jesus is. So why don't we ask the Lord to help us as we read through John 6 this morning. So Father, we, we are here together as your people to honor your son, to ask for the gift of your spirit to bring a revelation to us. We need the spirit of revelation. We need light for our eyes. We, we see the crowds again and again in the gospel of John missing what you were saying, being dull in their hearing, blind in their sight. Lord, we want to have eyes that see and ears that hear. We want to have tender hearts before you. So help us, Lord. Let your word speak to our hearts today. God, it's your word that brings life. So we just position ourselves again this morning. Just make the choice, everyone, to, to say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Jesus sent the Spirit to be the teacher. Holy Spirit, teach my heart today. Instruct me in the way of the Lord. Amen. Okay, John 6. I will have it on the screen behind me if you don't have a Bible. We're going to read this and just make a mental note. John is a book of sevens. I've come up with seven things about Jesus based on this text. Uh, about 10 minutes per point. <laughs> yeah, if you're a guest, that is indeed a joke. Um, some of them will be quick. Some of them will be a bit longer. But see what you can come up with as we read through this. If you were introducing Jesus to someone from John 6, what things would you tell them? So starting from verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already knew, he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, well, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish but how far will they go among so many jesus said have the people sit down there was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down about five thousand men were there jesus then took the loaves gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted he did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake 
where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. And we will end our reading there for today. So who is Jesus in light of this reading? Did you make a bit of a mental list of maybe you came up with seven, maybe more. Your list probably not the same as mine, and that's fine. But actually it was, it was pure coincidence or the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I wrote some notes and counted. I was like, oh, seven. That works. Book of sevens. So the first one, just quickly, Jesus is a healer. That's why we prayed for healing this morning. Why did the crowd travel to this remote place? Because they'd seen the signs, they'd heard the miracles, people had been getting healed. So he's the healer of bodies and souls. And in his wisdom, he chooses when and how to heal. But we know still today he's the healer. In John 4, he was the healer who said, Go, your son will live And at a far-off place, as soon as he spoke those words, a son was healed. In John 5, he said, pick up your mat and walk. And the cripple gets up and he walks. One word from Jesus changes everything. He is our healer. So, little application from this. We want to be people who pray for healing. And I want to encourage you, just in your everyday, be looking for opportunities to pray for healing for people, to offer prayer for healing. It's one of the the best ways to start a conversation with those who don't need Jesus. Can I pray for you? I see you have an injury there. I see you have sickness. Can I pray for you? See where that goes. So that's all we're going to do with that one. Number two, I want to tell people after reading this, Jesus is compassionate. Jesus is so compassionate. He went on the mountainside and he sat down with disciples. He actually went to a solitary place because he was removing himself from the crowds. But when he looked up and saw a great crowd, he didn't say, boys, higher up the mountain, let's go, quick. He said, how are we going to feed these people? Jesus is compassionate. Uh, If you read this account in, you know, the the feeding of the 5,000, it's the only story from the life of Jesus in both Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So just like you're reading a a different story, newspaper website you know about the same story you get a slightly different angle and when we read it in uh in mark it says he saw the large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and when luke writes about it he says jesus welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of god and healed those who needed healing and what's amazing is if you read it in matthew you see that john the baptist has just been killed. He's just been executed. And it says, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew to a solitary place. So not only is Jesus bone weary from crowds upon crowds coming to him, wanting something from him, 
Uh, if you've watched the, the Chosen series, I think they did a great job in, in one of them where the disciples are in a remote place. They're around the campfire late at night. They're talking about how long the lines have been all day and that Jesus is still there, still going, still offering prayer, still healing the sick. And then Jesus staggers into the campsite and, and it's, he's just absolutely exhausted. He, he greets them and he kind of staggers off to his tent and collapses to rest for the night. I thought, wow, yeah, that, that how Jesus poured himself out. This is the pattern of his life. He would withdraw to be with his father and then he would go again to pour his life out for the people. And that's, that's a picture for us. That's a picture of Christ-likeness right there, to withdraw to be with the Father and then to go and pour our lives out. So my point is he's exhausted. He's grieving the loss of, of a brother in proclaiming the kingdom of God. And yet when the people come after him, wanting something from him, and he knows they don't just want him. They want the benefits. They want something from him. Show us a sign. Still he has compassion on them. So Jesus is compassionate. He never turns away those who sincerely seek him. Moving on to number three. In this story, I see Jesus the disciple maker. Jesus the strategic leader. So it's getting late. The crowd is still with them. Jesus says to Philip, where are we going to buy food for these people? And we get this helpful note from John. Jesus did not lack information. We know that. When God asks a question, he does not lack information. He wanted to test Philip. He's a disciple maker. So he says, where are we going to buy food for these people? He knows what he's going to do with the situation, but he's taking, he's guiding Philip to a place of impossibility to, to teach him, to show him. And, you know, here's the gap, Philip. What are we going to do with this? Last week, uh, Wayne and Julie were sharing about God's vision for families, and they shared a lot about living in both the visible and the invisible realm and the importance of both and how Jesus operated in both. And here's Philip, both feet firmly planted in the visible realm. Well, uh, it's probably 5,000 men here plus women and children. Jesus, even if we had more than half a year's wages, we could only give them a bite each. So very practical, good business brain. Uh, he didn't factor in Jesus into his equation. Andrew comes along and he says, well, at least he, he offers something, but it's still in the realm of impossibility. Look, here's a, here's a boy's lunch. We've got uh, small barley loaves, small fish, but how far will that go among so many? So if I can have my lunch photo, please, if my... This, if I was sending my son on an excursion to the hills, he, he would be very satisfied with this lunch. Loves his tuna, just a bit of bread and tuna. And um, say he goes off to the hills on this excursion. Next photo, he's at this gathering, you know, a few thousand people. They forgot to do the catering. Um, you know, just trying to paint the picture of how ridiculous the situation is. We've read, many of us have read this story many times. So you can, you can, you know, lose sight of how ridiculous this is. It's ridiculous. Here's my lunchbox, Jesus. 
Yet in the economy that Jesus is operating in, it's beautiful. And point number four for me when I read this story is Jesus receives. He's a healer. He's compassionate. He's a disciple maker. And he's the one who receives the small, simple, weak, and willing. And he thinks perfect. That's exactly what I need. Ken Guy wrote, the surrender of a child and the compassion of a savior are all that's needed for this miracle. Now, John's talking about a poor man's meal. Just to, to highlight this, this is, this is uh, simple bread. This is not fancy bread. This is small fish. Think two sardines more than two snapper. Uh, small and simple, but willing. And it's one of those stories in the Gospels where it's good just to imagine how did this happen? This young boy gets amongst the disciples, gets near to Jesus, and with the willingness of a childlike faith says, you can have my lunch. And what does Jesus do with it? He took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. This is what Jesus does with our small and simple. He takes it with gratitude before the Father. He breaks it open and he can multiply it to be anything he wants it to be. He just wants the yes. He just needs the willingness. He does not despise small he does not reject weak. In fact, weak and willing are two of his favorite things to work with, aren't they? I mean, are we ever more than anything but weak? Do we ever come, show up on a particular day, and he's like, wow, you're really impressing me today. I'm picking you first for the team today. All we ever have is small and simple. Paul wrote about God choosing the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God actually chooses the weak things in the world, the foolish things to shame the strong, that no flesh should glory in his presence, that no one could boast before him. God reveals himself most in our weakness, and yet we hate weakness so much. I hate weakness so much. And this is part of the journey I'm on. I'm sure it's the journey you're on. Learning to say yes in weakness. Jesus, I've got small and simple. And here's the thing we have to overcome for us. It's our pride and it's our fear. It's our pride that, well, this is all I've got, so I'm not going to let it be seen. It's our pride that, or our fear that if I give this, there's not enough for me. We cling to self-sufficiency. We cling to doing it our way, not on God's terms. All he wants is small and simple, weak and willing. I mean, imagine if the boy said, this, no, this lunch is too small, Jesus. You can't have it. It's no good to you. I'll just keep it. Thank you. Or if he's just said, if I give you this, Jesus, then I don't have lunch. I'm not sure what you're going to do once you take it. I'm going to keep it. That's the choice we have in the way we live our lives, isn't it? Because we've just got small and simple. 
We've just got what's weak, but will we be willing? Will we try to impress God and serve him on our terms? Will we wait for the day when we finally have it all together? I'll give you an example, baptism. We've been having conversations with people about baptism, and one of the conversations that gets often repeated is, if you wait until you have your stuff together in order to be baptized so you can go down to the beach and be dipped under the water and impress everyone with the virtues of your life, you will never get baptized because who of us is ever worthy? None of us. The whole point is surrender. The whole point is willingness to let go and say, this is all I got. This is who I am. But Jesus changes everything. So I'm, I'm putting all, my all with him. I'm saying yes to him. I'm letting go. I'm going under the water and I'm coming up trusting I have a new life. So will we enter into the humility of surrender that's required for the miracle of multiplication? So I think what God wants to say through the, this very famous feeding of the 5,000 to some of you in the room is you're looking at a gap. Stop looking at the gap and start looking at Jesus. I know this is the journey of my life, and I've got a testimony for at least the last 20 years of just saying yes in little things when I felt inadequate, when I felt like, who me? Why me? But learning to choose humility, learning to overcome fear and say, okay, Jesus. I, I snuck Jacob's lunchbox out just to make sure you remember the lesson. But this is, this is all I've been bringing to Jesus for 20 years. You know, 20 years ago, I mean, some of, you, some of you might, some of you know me better than others, some of you might see me up here or leading down at the prayer room and say, oh, that, that obviously comes easy. It's obviously a natural thing. I can assure you it is most definitely not. When I was in high school, I was the kid who was sleepless and sick the night before every class presentation. Like, no way, not me. I was always the quiet one, always the shy one, often the scared one. This is all I got. This is all I got to bring. And many times in my life, I've been like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to hang back in the shadows. Let pride and fear win the day. But, you know, 20 years ago, someone asked. I was invited to, to have a go at leading worship, working with YWAM Perth, working here with Julie. Julie gave me these opportunities. <laughs> Who, me? And she coached me and she helped me, not because I had this smooth, silky Michael Bublé voice. <laughs> I, had, I had a few power chords and a distortion pedal and... And over time, I had a willing heart. But this is all I brought. Jesus, if you can use this. Okay, I'm going to say yes. 22 years ago, I was on a mountain amongst the Karen people who we now support through Compassion, which is pretty cool. Uh, an awkward teenager. And they said, hey, why don't you preach the message tonight? Me? 
just, this is all I can bring. And what does Jesus do with the, the loaves and fish? He says, perfect. I can take that. I can break that. I can multiply that. So I said yes. For 20 years, I've been learning to say yes. I don't have, you know, some of the classic hallmarks of the upfront leader, but I'm learning to say yes, Jesus, if that's where you want me, this is all I got, but I'll say yes. So I'm wondering this morning if some of you are feeling inadequate because you see the gap between this and what you think God's inviting you to. Because you feel the fear, because you feel your incompetence, because you feel shame of your past, whatever it is. I'm wondering if God is saying to some of you, would you just come like that little boy with what you have, with who you are, because it's never about you, it's about me. You're only ever qualified because of me. So just come and say yes. Because Jesus receives the small and the simple, the weak and the willing. And he is the one who takes it, breaks it, multiplies it. There's a, a few lines from a song that have been out of my song the last few months. It's an old Kevin Prush song. He says, this is my boast. I am not strong. This is the gift that I give. I built you an altar out of the ruins of this broken life that I live. I praise you, God, not in my strength, but my weakness. Jesus receives the small and simple. Number five, Jesus is enough. Jesus was enough to take this and feed 5,000 more. God of abundance, God of generosity, the provider, the multiplier, the miracle maker. He took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He's generous. And here's the thing. Not only can he take what we bring and say, yes, come and join me and be with me as I, as I go into the world to serve and to give. But he says, I'll be enough for them, but I'll be enough for you. And I love that we have included in this story the 12 baskets of leftovers. How many disciples were there? Jesus says, go collect the leftovers. 12 baskets of bread, one each. And I love the picture in that of when you give and when you serve and when you're with me doing, doing the ministry, stepping into what I call you into, there's enough for you. You won't lack. I will take care of you. If you pour out your life to give bread to the world, I will be your all-satisfying bread. We're going to go into that more in a few weeks. But Jesus is enough. Number six, he's a king, but not on man's terms. And I won't spend time on this, but just to say 5,000 men is a good-sized guerrilla force when you want to start a revolution. And they saw the miracles. They're like, this is our guy. 
this this could be the next Messiah. You know, we've had a few maybe Messiahs and they got killed, but maybe this is the guy. Let's let's go. And he withdrew to the mountain because the path to the throne was not on the shoulders of his supporters, but on that hard path up to Calvary, the way of the cross, the way of weakness, the way of foolishness to the world. That's all I'll say on that one. And finally, number seven, Jesus is present. Now, what's interesting in this this reading today is that we have a story within a story because the start of John 6 we've got this miracle of feeding 5,000 the end of chapter 6 we've got Jesus explaining I was actually wanting to draw you to me not just to my benefits I want you to come to me I'm the bread of life but in between those we have Jesus walking on the water which doesn't seem connected to bread like the other stuff is So why is John, who's a very intentional writer, put a story within a story? I'm going to paraphrase some things John Piper said because he did a great message on this a number of years ago. And I think the the miracle of the 12 baskets when Jesus is saying, I'll be enough for you as you serve with me, is highlighted again in this story. So they've had 12 baskets of miracle bread. Now they're on their own. Jesus is withdrawn to the mountain to escape the crowds, wanting to force him to start their revolution. So the disciples, maybe there was an agreed departure time or something. Jesus hasn't come back. So they're going back across the lake. They're in the boat. They're rowing. The wind comes up. It's night. And now he gives them the miracle of his presence. And it's interesting to think of what John does not say because we know from other gospel stories, Jesus walking on the water, what happens next? He tells Peter, come and walk with me on the water. That's an amazing story. It's not in this version. We know in another version it says, Jesus got in the boat and immediately the wind stopped. That's an amazing story. It's not in what John's saying. All John says in this story is, They saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. They were frightened, but he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. And with that, the story is over. There's no commentary. There's no explanation. It's a storm. Jesus is absent. They're frightened. Suddenly, Jesus appears near them. They receive him and they get to their destination. John's focus is entirely on Jesus showing up and saying, it's me. Don't be afraid. He's the the God of miracle bread to satisfy our needs. He's the God who gives us the miracle of his presence to be with us. John Piper said this, if you have an overwhelming ministry in front of you, to feed 5,000 or anything else, and you feel totally inadequate, not only will I give you resources to feed them, I will be there for you when it is all over. I will not just give you bread, I will be your bread. And now I've done another miracle for you. I have shown you that in the dark, in the storm, I will not let anything separate me from you. I will walk on water to be with you. There is no ministry for Christ's sake. And no storm in Christ's service where every need will not be supplied above all the need for Jesus himself.
I love that. Jesus receives the small and simple. Jesus is enough. Jesus is present with us. And he has promised to always be. Worship team, do you want to come up? And I'm going to get you guys to help me as we close this. So we'll come back to John 6 to finish the story in a few weeks. But today, this is, as I've read, as I've prayed, as I've been spending time with the Lord on this, I've been, I've been blessed by him being the one in front of me saying, just come, just say yes again. And he receives me. So I want to repeat the questions I asked a few minutes ago that, Will we be willing to, to say yes? Will, be, will we be willing to come with our small and simple, our inadequate, and say, Jesus, you can have this. And you can take it, you can break it, you can make it whatever you want it to be. I use the example of baptism, and perhaps that's relevant for someone in the room. There's still time. In two weeks, we're, we're, we're doing baptisms together. Has it been your inadequacy that's saying, well, this is not good enough, so when I've got a feast for Jesus, then I'll come, then I'll say yes. The only thing that ever qualifies you will be what he's done on the cross, his grace for you to be transformed, be made new. So is it saying yes to baptism? Is it saying yes to Jesus for the first time? You might be here investigating or watching online. Jesus receives those who come in humility and say, I need you. I don't have it together. But there's other things for us. To keep serving when we feel like quitting. You know, sometimes the end of the year is that time where we go, yeah, maybe next year I'll just pull back on a few things. And sometimes that is wisdom, but sometimes that is fear. Sometimes that is pride. Sometimes that is us just not choosing to trust him. So as we, one year winds down and another year begins, will you bring your lunchbox again? Say, Jesus, this is what I got. Take it and use it. Is it the risk of leadership? Someone's invited you to step into a space and you say, who, me? Will you bring your lunchbox to Jesus? Is it to go to someone, a neighbor, a friend, and say, to actually open your mouth, though you feel the least articulate, bumbling evangelist in the world, to just bring your lunchbox, to go with Jesus to that person and say, hey, would you like to have a conversation about Jesus? Do you want to come and read the Bible with me? There's a whole way, a range this could be expressed, but... That's the invitation I felt for us today. Will we come as we are, bring what we have, and say, Jesus, you're enough. I know you'll receive me. I know you'll be present with me. Because he promises to supply what we need, especially himself, we can be generous with our lives, and we can risk many storms. you guys stand with me I want to just pray a simple prayer that I that I wrote actually something I wrote in my journal months ago 
said, here I am, Lord, a child with loaves and fish, small and simple, weak and willing. I bring you what you've put in my hands and heart. Take it, break it, feed your family, save the lost. You are enough. Just take a moment before the Lord and make your response. Jesus, we just honor you, the compassionate one, the powerful one, the healer, the disciple maker, the the perfect leader. You're leading, you're guiding us for our good, for your glory. Thank you that you are a king, not as we would crown you a king, but you're a king in humility and meekness and faithfulness. You walked the weak and foolish path of the cross because it was the Father's wisdom to save the world. Jesus, you receive us. Lord, I just pray for that grace to enter into what you're you're calling us to, all the different spheres, the different relationships, the different opportunities represented in this room, those watching online. God, give grace to step through fears and anxieties, to, to repent of pride, to bring our little lunch to find ourselves received by you, embraced by you, and used by you for your glory. So this morning we make our response. We say you're trustworthy. You're always good. We love you, Jesus.